Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Hi, I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Maybe a little bit about 2016, because investing's easy right now, and it's been easy for what I would say a long time, six plus years. And you've probably done great, hopefully. Um, but that also leaves you in kind of a position where, like, you need to start thinking, like, what's what's next? I always think what's next. I always try to. And, uh, you know, I don't try to get too smart about it. You know, the herky-jerkiness of, of Wall Street has people going, okay, last year was pretty good. 2015 was okay. 2014 was pretty good. 2013 was wonderful. Let's start thinking about 2016. So you got to grimace a little bit, you know, when you see big down days. And you probably have to, like, smile and do a little dance when you see your 401k cross another milestone. Or the Dow and S&P 500 cross another milestone. You probably, you know, sometimes look at some of the purchases you made or haven't made and you go, okay, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I would put more of it in the market. Like, for instance, if you prepaid your mortgage in the last six years, you've massively, massively underperformed. Prepaying your mortgage, in my opinion, is not a wise thing to do, um, unless you're wealthy or poor. But for the average Americans trying to accumulate wealth, um, saving interest is not worth the opportunity to grow earnings. Um, but a lot going on here. Um, you know. What's going to happen in 2016? I think we could probably say, and this, you know, what we thought was going to happen in 2015 was we thought the back half of the year the Fed was going to start raising rates. So, 
you know, will they or won't they, will they or won't they, there's kind of some drama all around that. I don't think there's any shock when you're starting to talk about 2016. We will be in an interest rate, higher interest rate environment than from where, you know, 2015 started. It isn't whether or when the Federal Reserve nudges interest rates, whether it's, you know, uh, one time here and then, you know, another time four months later. That's We know that that's going to be a, a theme in 2016. No one thinks interest rates will end 2016 uh, much higher than one or one and a quarter percent at the worst or at the biggest amounts of moves. So know that 2016 is going to be a big year of interest rates and interest rate stories and, you know, some areas that definitively benefit from higher interest rates and job reports that have been strong, uh, U.S. consumer that's been okay, or banks, um, home builders. So now the home builders have had a great run. Um, and the jobs, especially when they're tied to millennials, make them, ooh, all excited. So I would look at regional banks as part of a 2016 story. Um, you can look at the bigger national ones, international ones, if you want, but then you're starting to pick up some international issues as well. Regional banks, typically, like a State Street Bank or Regions Financial, they're not doing tons of business um, in Europe because they're a U.S. regional bank. Um, so 2016... We hear from the Federal Reserve, and it's kind of tricky. It's kind of like, okay, they see a stronger jobs number. They, they start starting to see inflation. And, and, like, we kind of tinker with it because there's so many Federal Reserve bankers and members that some of them will see different things, and some of them will interpret the data ever so slightly differently. Um, one thing that we are pretty positive of is the Fed won't just go, we're going to raise rates, we're going to raise rates, we're going to raise rates, 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 we're going to raise rates, we're going to raise rates, we're going to raise rates, rates. Like, it's it's not going to be as aggressive as it has been in the past. You're going to hear more and more in 2016 about the R word. The R word is, let's see if we can get it, impending recession. It's hard to argue that a, a U.S. recession is right around the corner when the consumer's been saving money, when interest rates have been low, the U.S. consumer's not overwhelmed by debt, housing prices are going up in many areas, car and light truck sales have hit a breakthrough record of 18.2 million uh, annualized per year. You know, it, it's tough to say, like, there's a recession coming, but economists, there's a statement that you'll get a kick out of. You know, you want a one-hand economist because economists will say, well, yes, you're right. You know, the consumer has been doing well. Jobs have been improving for the last few years. Housing prices have been slowly creeping up. Car and light truck sales hit records in 2015. But on the other hand, so it's like I want to meet a one-handed economist. In my lifetime, that would be fun. I'd get a picture of it, and I'll post it on my webpage, robblack.com. Um you could certainly say that our economy is not an up, up, and away economy. You could certainly say some pockets of it are working better than others. Manufacturing, not so much. Uh, healthcare technology, pretty good. 
Uh, banking will benefit from higher interest rates. Consumer staples have been you know, pretty fantastic. Um, but then again, like even inside those you know sectors like of retail, you have some winners and you have some losers. Um, so we will go into another recession, and let me throw this out there: I don't know when. Um, a lot of people feel we've hit a cyclical peak, and that things should start to taper off. Recessions are wonderful. Recessions take away excesses in markets, whether they be job excesses, where you're like, God, that that girl, she just got a raise. Um, and then, like, our sister just came to the company and got a job instantly. Like, when there's a recession, the pool of talent of people, you could kind of, like, be a little bit pickier as a boss. Um, and that's a good thing. It, it kind of moderates growth. Um, the easiest way for me to explain it is if some people lose their jobs, then traffic's a little bit easier. And you're like, that's a good thing. But on the other hand, people lose jobs, right? Um, recessions are normal. They're healthy. They're going to happen every 48 years, um, probably for the rest of your life. And it doesn't have to be the dun-dun-dun drama. You can start saying, you know what? Recessions are okay. You and your life have had recessions. So 2016, people are pretty much so expecting about 2.7% GDP growth on average. That's good. We could operate with that. There's a lot of issues about what China's economy is going to look like and when do they start their hard landing, which people expect because of their exposure to real estate loans. I think 2016 will be a, a year where you want to manage money and expectations. I think pockets of this country, say, like the East Coast and West Coast, could end up in a stronger financial footing than parts that are heavily dependent on the industrial sector or oil. Um, so, like, housing in Houston may crash in Dallas, uh, whereas it may stay strong on the coasts. So maybe where would the opportunity be? I'll let you to decide that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Housing is one of those American dreams, and people will market into your desire to have the American dream. You need to be very cautious on anyone that you listen to who's part of your quote unquote financial team. Um, I don't use stockbrokers, haven't since, you know, the 90s. Um, you can get all your investing decisions done at TD Ameritrade, at Vanguard, at Fidelity, at Charles Schwab. And they all have nice little computers that do it for you. So you just have to figure out what allocation you want and how comfortable you are. Um, some other members of your financial team that you may or may not need is like mortgage lender, as well as I would be 
cautious on real estate agents. I say this on a regular basis. Um, interview a couple. Talk to them. Um, I personally don't like the flashy ones. I personally don't like the husband and wife teams. Nothing against husband and wife teams. They just don't work for me. Um, I want someone who is probably closer to 60, 65, and has been in an area for 30 plus years, uh, and who knows the area. So that, like, if it's new to you, they can go, okay, here's the best street, it's close to the best school. Um, you know, every house has been redone on the block except for two. Do you want to target the low end and, and build up later? Or do you want to get, you know, nice, I, I, like I prefer a knowledgeable person. Um, and they don't have to be flashy and they don't have to wear nice clothes. Uh, when I go to work, I'm the smartest person at work. Not because I've got a bigger brain than you, but because I study more than you in my field. Um, my clothes, I'm wearing jeans and sneakers right now. Nice dress shirt uh, and a jacket. Uh, but when I show up for radio, you would you probably couldn't tell me any differently than people you saw at a football or baseball game. Um, but when I talk, I try to talk as smartly and intelligently as I can. Uh, so housing is something that's always interesting to me. Is it's recovering? Sales and prices, you know, um, doing pretty well. There's one very weak and getting weaker area, which is the share of first-time home buyers. It fell to its lowest level in nearly three decades, just 32% of all purchases. You need those first-time home buyers. Uh, why? Well, start to think about it. When you move, let's say you're on your second or third home and you're deciding, I want to get the McMansion or I want to get up on the hill and show all my friends just how great my luxury lifestyle is. Um, I think you get the idea there. <laughs> but you need that first-time home buyer to take your home. So as you move up, or um, let's say you're about to retire, you need that couple who just got rid of all the kids, and they just want, you know, a flat house. They don't need the McMansion anymore. So they're, they're downsizing back to like a ranch or something. And that makes for a healthy ecology. There's a lot of reasons why there should be more first-time home buyers reaching the markets, including persistently low mortgage rates for five plus years. Healthy job prospects for college-educated uh, citizens. Um, renting is becoming more and more unaffordable in many areas. And a lot of people just should be looking around and going, you know what, I'd rather own than rent. Because if I'm renting for 3500 I can move, you know, out of town in the suburbs and probably, you know, instead of renting for 3500 I could probably own for 3500 So just something to think about. Um, there's a lot of big hurdles, though, for first-time homebuyers. Um, and part of that's the increase in rents and home prices continuing to go up. The increase in rents means they have less to save with. In the end... Borrow money from mom and dad if you have to. Um, I'm not, not going to say borrow money from me for a down payment, but find a way to do it. So there's scarce inventory, and I get that people are a little freaked out by some of this. Debt is a primary you know, reason 
cited by first-time homebuyers for a delay in home ownership. Debt's not bad. Debt's good. College debt's wonderful if you have a degree that's marketable. If you have a skill, if you spend, you know, fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars, I'm hoping you're trying to land a job for a hundred thousand a year. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure your degree was worth it. So, debt is something that people are fearful for. Student debt and home debt are wonderful. Home debt is a low cost of money. It doesn't reset for inflation. So if you have a $3,000 mortgage payment this year, you'll have a $3,000 mortgage payment in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And hopefully, it hasn't readjusted for inflation, but hopefully your wages have. You know, hey boss, uh, food's costing a lot more this year. Uh, sure would like to give me a raise. You know, when unemployment's at 4 to 5%, absolutely, absolutely. Let me just rubber sham this and push this through. Um, so try to get those raises and try to understand that it should get easier. So debt's not a bad thing. Credit card debt is bad. I've got a female friend who she just can't seem to get ahead. And she's doing the okay savings. But she can't seem to get ahead in, you know, some of the, the, like a car. She has a thing. She likes to spend a little bit of money on cars. And then, so she gets her car, and then she's like, she wants new tires for it, and then she wants new, you know, blah, 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 and then there's an oil problem or a piston problem or something's wrong, and it has to get fixed. Can you tell I don't know much about cars? So, an oil problem or a piston problem. That's technical, people. Um, Thank you. Um, debt continues to stall, you know, a lot of younger buyers because their attitude towards it. 64% of first-time buyers said their primary reason for purchase was the desire to own. That's up from 53% in just one year. For repeat buyers, ownership is tied with the desire for a larger home, which we've kind of talked about. That's why you need those first-time home buyers. The view of home ownership as a good investment over time has moved slightly higher to about 80%. 43% of those surveyed said they see housing as a better investment than stocks. That's ridiculously stupid. Um, history, historically, uh, and you can go back 100 years, you know, you have to have wages that increase to increase home prices. And at times it doesn't always happen that way. But historically, stocks have averaged almost 10% returns. Historically, bonds have averaged about 6 And historically, real estate's at about 5 so anyway, any questions on home ownership? Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. I'm always fascinated with technology and like watching companies like Yahoo try to reinvent themselves, and it's very, very difficult to do. Uh, Yahoo. Yahoo hired Marissa Meyer, Mayor Meyer, Mayor, three years ago, and. So far, there hasn't been a lot of traction in new product. They're working on something that's going to be groundbreaking and special, but at the same time, they're still trying to like you know poke and try to figure out if uh, now that you know Alibaba's spinoff has happened, kind of thing, um, and that's played itself out positively. Um, they're trying to figure out you know what's next. People worry because when you look at what has been accomplished. Not a lot of traction. And she came in pretty splashy. Uh, I say this is probably the lowest common denominator, dumbest thing I could possibly say. She's a good-looking, charismatic, well-dressed professional. Um, but yet, nothing sticky. And she brought in a lot of smart people from people that she's worked with in the past at Google. And some of them stuck around, and some of them started leaving. There's a rumor that she, not a rumor, uh, there's been leaked information that she got all of her you know, top-level managers together and said, I need you to make an oral or written commitment for three to five years. And some of them said, see ya, um, including European boss Don Airy, marketing media head Kathy Savitt, development of chief, uh, development chief, development chief Jackie Reeses, um, and others. And... That's a little bit of a misstep because she hired these people and then on a conference call she said, you know, uh, kind of getting rid of some dead weight. She said all those major talented departures, you know, they're probably not over. And she tossed them under the bus and no one likes seeing their their other uh, workers get tossed under the bus. You know, she implied that it had been planned, but... uh... So what's this big super secret thing that Yahoo's working on? Uh, and they're in the process of, they're still looking at things. Cause like, like I said, nothing's been really sticky. So um, they have to look at like, you know, their fantasy sports areas and go ding, 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 ding. And then they probably have to look at their weather app and go, is this working or not? The Yahoo weather app on Apple is gorgeous. So they've done some right things, right? Um I still feel very much so in my heart that Yahoo's very much so a desktop company and not necessarily a mobile company. Yeah, I, I check their Sportacular. They've got an app called Sportacular. Um, but I'm not really into Yahoo email. Um, I still have my old Yahoo email account because I had some pictures on it and some emails that I wanted to save. And I always said I'm going to go in and clean it out and shut it down, but... Who has time to go through 880 old emails, right? So, I loved it when people lost on prices, right? What was up with that creepy Bob Barker? I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's gone. Do you remember, like, he would make, when people would win $100, he'd make the women reach into his pocket and grab it, but not the men? Creepy! I know it was probably innocent enough, but creepy. 
Um, so the, I'm not going to say the last hope, but when you start saying things like last hope for Yahoo is that this new indexing project is going to be huge. Um, I don't know. It's probably not a 2000, you know, it was supposed to be a 2015 product. It's, you know, it's 2016-ish. So, and it's apparently going to be the savior. A one-stop mobile search, an indispensable guide in the life of a consumer. Um, I don't know. And that's like when you start going, I don't think I could own this company because I don't know. Now, again, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying that management leaving is a flag, and it's not a good flag. Revenue is not growing is a flag. And you have to, as an investor, know yourself well enough that you can say, this isn't making a lot of sense. Or this is why I really like this company. Um, you know, a company like a, uh, an Apple, you could look at it and go, oh, man, I got the iPhone 6 and the 6S, and it's probably not going to do as well as the 5. Um, or or it's, it's, you know, the 6 did better than the, the, the 5, but the S was not better than the 6. Um, I, I don't know if you're getting the point there and or not. But uh, there's revenue growth. And like, there's revenue growth. There's a nice dividend. But maybe there's not going to be revenue growth. And then you could look at something like Amazon and go, holy mackerel, there's revenue growth. Netflix, revenue growth. There's not a lot of earnings. Maybe I'm a little, you know, want a company with earnings. Like Apple has got the great earnings, but they don't have the revenue growth. Uh, so you make little cases. And you make little flags. And you say, these are the five reasons I'm going to buy it. And when those five reasons go against you, you sell it. You probably sell it after two or three of them go against you. Um, don't wait around. In my opinion, um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Charles Schultz. I have a friend who knows Jeannie Schultz, and she is very, very generous uh, in the community. And this has been an amazing business to study, and maybe even to study and say that there's been some mistakes Peanuts turned 65 in 2015. And I wasn't a Peanuts comic book or comic strip kind of guy. To me, I was just like, yeah, that's not funny. Maybe I need, you know, instead of the subtle humor, maybe I need the pie-in-the-face humor, right? It was once published in seven newspapers, and it quickly got into about 2,600 countries. 2,600 countries. You could probably go around the world and show people a picture of Snoopy, and most people know who it is. I didn't even know there were 2,600 countries. 700 licensing agreements spread across the globe at this point. Um, So the seven newspapers that it was originally published in, you know, bought the Peanuts strip. Um, And Charles Schultz, you know, earned royalties, $90 a week in royalties. When you adjust for inflation on a weekly basis, it's almost $900, which would have been about $267,000 in this day and age. Um, Schultz lived until 2000, 
Kodak was the first company in 1955 to use a Peanuts character in its marketing campaign for, you know, a camera handbook. Uh, we probably all remember the movies, You're a Good Sport, Charlie Brown, A Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. So through the years, they've done specials, and 2015 marked a year that after 30 years, 35 years, they got back into movies. So Forbes named Charles Schultz one of the 10 wealthiest entertainers in 1989. He earned $32 million a year. He typically earned about 30 to $40 million a year until his death. The final peanut strip was published just hours as he died from colon cancer at the age of 77. In that year, the comics, along with merchandise, like the Snoopy dolls and the endorsement deals, like, is Snoopy still on MetLife? Was it MetLife? He raked in $1.1 billion a year, that year. So, very, very profitable, as you could well imagine. Um, Iconics brand bought Peanuts brand, including the licensing rights, for $175 million from EW Scripps and United Feature Syndicate. The company now holds an 80% ownership, while the Schultz family owns a 20% stake. When it was sold, the brand was generating more than $2 billion a year. Following Iconic's purchase of the Peanuts Group, the brand went through a turnaround period and revenue sat about roughly $80 million a year. Uh, Peanuts now has roughly 700 licensing agreements and is licensed in over 100 countries. Um, the 2015 marked the year that um, you know, the movie came out and they had to put it in 3D. Well, they didn't have to put it in 3D, but they did. And Schultz was pretty particular about it being a 2D concept and not a 3D concept. Uh, but like a movie, uh, when I was a kid, I watched The Great Pumpkin and I watched the Christmas special and the pathetic little Christmas tree, right? Um, and then 25, 35 years later, you're a dad and you want your kids to watch the same thing. And, you know, you want to go, wow, 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 And you're like, your kid goes, what's that? And you're like... That's the teacher talking. But it's the world of kids. Are you trying to like put a spin on it that makes some sort of sense? So in 2015, listen to this. Schultz was named one of the Forbes top earning dead celebrities. A list that he's been on since 2001. Keep in mind, he died in 2000. For the third year in a row, he ranks at number three, having earned $40 million over the past year. Keep in mind, uh, the Schultz family owns, only owns 20%. So the other group that owns 80%, you're pulling in roughly half a billion dollars, $400 million. Not too shabby for Snoopy and the Red Baron. I'm Rob Black. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. 
thanks for supporting the show. Um, I don't say that enough. Um, I've been, I'm not going to say blessed because I don't want to upset people. <laughs> Starbucks comes out with a red coffee cup and people get upset that there's no Christmas trees and Christmassy type things on it. Uh, I don't know what to say sometimes. I Will people get upset about almost anything? And the only reason I say that, and again, you may be totally into your thought that Starbucks owes you, you know, a colorful Christmas, I don't even know what to say here, uh, thing, and they decide to use just red and not put berries, and some guy freaks out and puts up a video and kind of starts to go viral. But if people would freak out, if people would freak out over things that mattered, like childhood cancer, uh, animals getting, you know, um, not well treated, uh, cruelty just to children and animals in our world. If, if we could focus on those things instead of getting mad at, at a company for using a red cup and not putting a Christmas tree on it, I, I, I just don't get people. I, it's I, 130% true. So, and I know there's people out there trying to figure out childhood cancer, and there's obviously money tied towards that, and that's a great motivator, but uh, trust me, I, I do work in the charitable fields, and there's many different types of help needed. Um, I have a friend who makes maps, and uh, she's able to go to Ethiopia and figure out like the best places to send drones, because like when you're trying to cut down on HIV and tuberculosis and other things that kill you, uh, blood samples are important to keep them at a stable temperature. So she could actually use her, her mapping skills to help clinics. Um, and you get the Bill Gates and Melinda Foundation who can, you know, throw down the money to send scientists there and to erect buildings. But I've got a friend who, uh, Henry Tenenbaum, he is a ex-news anchor at this TV station that I work at, and he does amazing work. Uh, I think it's t- mostly tied towards his church, but he takes, like, video crews over and does documentaries. Um, and that helps raise awareness. Like, there's so many things you can do. I think when I'm, like, 60, I've decided I want to go to some of these countries that need help and kind of be like a Jimmy Carter kind of, like, help build shelters. Because I don't know maps. <laughs> my documentary skills are not very good. And my ability to throw down millions and millions and millions of dollars, um, that's not where I, I, I do well at. Right now when I do charitable work, I do a lot of, um, I know people. and I can ask people for favors. Um, but anyway, I think I'm kind of digressing, aren't I? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, saving for a goal is probably the best way to save for something. And the, one of the worst things you could do for a kid is... Ma'am, I want a super Nerf ball gun, and I want it now. Ooh, honey buns. Okay. No, 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 that's not good. Have your kids learn to save. Okay, um, five days in a row, a uh, dollar a day. Every day, every dollar that you do for taking out the trash, I'll match it. Um, get them into that kind of concept because saving for a goal. You know, as a child, it involves, you know, stuffing coins into a jar. Or in my case, it was a red piggy bank. Uh, not a piggy bank, but a red cash register bank that would only open once you got $10 in it. 
but my parents made me see that like a buck and a quarter is five quarters. Uh, how many more do I need? Kind of thing. Uh, 40 minus 30, 40 minus, I need 35 more. Oh my God, that's going to take a while. But it helped with math skills. Uh, a Detroit-based startup is tempting millennials to treat building savings a lot like the way you can keep up with your friends via Facebook or Instagram. What about turning a new social savings platform to add to your down payment for a car or house? Uh, could friends and family like you have enough to add an extra 25000 No. $25? Maybe. $50 or $100 to your online account. So there's a company called Boostop. And the idea is appealing because people can help boost your savings with added deals and promotions. Um, so the concept of saving money, millennials like to use things like apps. And again, I'm not talking about every single millennial. Um, but we do live in a society, and it's pretty funny now, if you walk down the streets of how many people are staring at their phones. I really would have thought that crime would have just been, and maybe I just don't know the statistics, I thought people would just be taking phones out of people's hands and running. Um, Apple was actually working on, I think it was Apple, I could be wrong. Uh, they, they develop a lot of patents, and one of the patents that they want to come up with is when you're looking at your phone that you could actually use the front camera to also see, like, where you're going. So you could both look at the sports scores and the emails and the instant messages as well as, anyway, you get the idea. Um, so there's an app called Boost Up, and... Um, I think it's a great idea to have a plan for savings. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. And there's a lot of financial apps that are out there. I like Mint a lot, mint.com. Um, there's one that I have on my phone right now called Credit Karma. Um, and that does a nice job of telling you your credit score, or roughly. But it also like teaches you, okay, here's the only thing wrong with your, with your score. And it can kind of show that to you. I've got all my banks and my credit cards on uh, my phone. It makes my life a little bit easier. Anyway, um, I use apps on my phone. Saving for a goal doesn't have to be stuffing coins into a giant jar. Um, I don't know. 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. I'm Rob Black. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.